0: Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast, produced by me, Fraser McGrew for Aleph Insights. In this is a podcast, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision-making. I'm here with Sarah Nonu and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights, and this week we're discussing why we're suspicious of successful people, and due to the lockdown, unusually, we're recording this remotely. Nick. I don't know about you, but something I've noticed is that people are often quite suspicious of me. And the only <laughs> thing I can put it down to, and it might be the same for you. I don't know. Um, you know, it, it, I, I put it down to my success, basically. It's my, je- it's just jealousy. Um, but yes, that's what we want to talk about. Um, being jealous of successful people. What's that all about, Nick?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's been uh, exacerbated, I think by COVID-19. Mm.
0: Um,
1: there has certainly over the last few years been uh, sort of, a lot of skepticism about um the motives and uh you know underlying uh, objectives of you know kind of big big uh industry people so if you take um you know sort of the bill gates jeff bezos there's been a lot of stories recently about you know when they're funding research into covid19 well is it a secret? conspiracy to try and enslave mm. us all um to to put microchips in our in our bodies you know are they is um you know is it all really basically being motivated by greed um and but i think more generally you look at uh how how sort of successful business would have portrayed in the media um you know they're always baddies aren't they you know if you mm. get, if you get Absolutely. if you if you're watching a film and uh someone is the ceo of a corporation in that film they're going to be a baddie. You never, mm. even if they're nice, you know that they're going to turn out to be a baddie and be doing something evil. Um, and I think, and that's a, that's a tradition that goes in Hollywood, certainly all the way back to, um, uh, you know, to sort of the likes of Frank Capra, where, you know, the local businessman was always the bad guy. And, and um, you know, the, the sort of d- down to earth, normal, uh, average, humble Joe, he was the good guy. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I just, I think, you know, it's an interesting question why, why that is. So are we right? To be suspicious of uh, of sort of you know people who are successful and powerful, uh, or is it just is it just some sort of atavistic nonsense that we should do away with? And and mm. actually, Bill Gates is just like you and me, and probably a nice guy, and he's not trying to enslave us all or anything. Mm. Mm. As implausible yeah. as that sounds, <laughs> Sarah,
2: I was just going to say, I think it's not only just the what, it's the why. Why why are people suspicious? of successful people Um, and i think that can be sometimes internally driven or have something to do with the people you're around or as nick was saying before you know you're looking at media sensationalism um, fake news and misinformation that's put out there about successful people especially like looking at people like bill gates and whatnot i mean if you look at trump I was reading something that said, you know, every time that people come out, the haters of Trump come out and say more things about him, he increases in the polls.
0: Mm.
1: No, I mean, there's, so there's, I mean, that's, but that's the wider question of is it, is it helpful?
0: You know, yeah. is it a good thing that we're suspicious of these people? I mean, I, I guess there's, there's, a, there's a few ways to come at, at this. Um, one of them might be that a, a belief, well, no, a, a potentially a reality that, successful people are successful because they're nasty right or because they're manipulative right. or they're ruthless right there's a there's definitely a kind of a narrative about that um that could be part of it second combined with that when you have you know if it's not like i th- we're probably not talking about you know the head of your local supermarket not that local supermarkets exist anymore but you know we're not talking about the head of some sort of you know minor leisure center or something you know We're yeah, talking although,
1: about- no but you say that but actually mm. when you see portrayals of people like that sort of middle managers mm. they're always portrayed as the sort of little hitler character aren't they so we so sort of that- got their own little empire and even within that they're a kind of they're a control freak and absolutely they're sort of socially dysfunctional and
0: um you know did, uh, yeah so so i don't i i think it does go all the way down well it does and it doesn't because it's summed up in what you said there that there's the, a the little hitler syndrome where hitler was sort of in charge of quite a big stuff big big and hitler, so, yeah big hill yeah <laughs> <laughs> is the is the is the you know uh, because i think part of that is a humor or, or satire around my god what would these people do if they were in charge of ict chemicals a plc kind of thing so um I think that's part of it I think the other thing is we've talked about a little bit is you know is it the case and I honestly don't know that for example in in East Asian literature and tradition that um that leaders are heroes and and benevolent and always do wonderful things I you know I suspect that's but that's not always the case but I, I wonder if I mean there's definitely something in the sort of the Western narrative about you know rebelling against the man and and you know a little guy fighting against all odds and that side of things um so that's just a collection of of thoughts, not totally organized, uh, but that's just sort of, you know, for starters. Um, anyone got any response to that? Let's start with the first idea that um,
1: <clears throat> we're right to be suspicious of successful people. Oh. Um, uh, now, there is actually quite a lot of evidence, or at least, well, there's suggestions. Um, I mean, it's hard to know these things for sure, but uh, but there's, there's you know, some, some reasonably plausible evidence that um, CEOs are much more likely to be psychopaths. Uh, than an average person so oh. i think i've seen one study which claims that one in five ceos are you know clinical psychopaths
0: oh.
1: as opposed to about one in 100 people in the general population oh. now um so why is that well they sort of there's various theories about why psychopaths are able to succeed in organizations like that but um you know essentially psychopaths are very good at manipulating other people and mm. the whole point about having an organized hierarchy is it enables you to use that ability to manipulate other people to achieve levels of power that you would never be able to get on your own mm. and you know the whole sort of the pattern uh which is that you know people join psychopaths will join an organization um and uh you know b- b- be sort of helpful uh potentially even um, you know, possibly altruistic within within you know to, well, well, when they've joined an organization, but then uh, at, at that point they will sort of evaluate and identify the people who are going to be most helpful for their career, um, and then manipulate uh, you know manipulate the the image that other people have of them, um, so you know to create sort of uh, a false narrative about their ability and capability, um, mm. and then and then to uh, to eliminate rivals and oh. and eventually to ascend in in that pattern of you know where you're where they you know they're very good at being being helpful and useful to people who are above them and who can help pull them up. And they're completely, um, you know, anyone who looks like a rival is sort of eliminated. Uh-huh. And and that's something that you can you can do in a in a social in a social organizational hierarchy. And that's one of the theories why psychopathy has evolved in the first place is because it works. You know, it's parasitic on existing organizations, but it but it does work. So. Um, now, you know, let's not forget four out of five CEOs aren't psychopaths, but actually mm. enough of them are um, that it's a plausible rationale for why people are suspicious of, of powerful people. Um, this makes so me that's, feel the like, first, that's the first thing. Say, oh, this Sarah? makes
2: me uh, feel like I should be suspicious of everyone I work with.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm worried about Chris right now. I'm, I feel a bit like I'm, you know, compared to Jeff, Jeff Bezos, i'm not even i'm not even sure i'm first division <laughs> I, I might i might only be second suspicious division. of everyone I not just the the of yeah.
2: i'm no,
1: pleased exactly. that you're trying though you're you're, yeah. you're in the game and you're trying. you wait when, when aleph insights is big enough i'm going to turn into a tyrannical maniac so yeah yeah yeah, yeah you're right so stop me now while it's
2: yeah. while it's while you've still got time yeah that's it
0: um, so we were moving along. What was the next thing we talked? Yeah, so we talked about should we suspic- be suspicious of, of CEOs?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, I think there's... I think
0: more generally though that the fact that you know even if you're not a psychopath,
1: does success in an organization necessarily require you to be to be morally um, you know suspect in some way? So is it possible to be? And I, and I think a lot of people think that, and, and I, I'm not sure myself. I mean, success in an organization often will um you know will come out of uh it ability to understand and and, you know understand social networks um, Mm. but not necessarily to manipulate them to to your advantage um i mean someone like bill gates became powerful because he set his own organization up you know Mm. created something which lots of people wanted to buy he never he never worked his way up through an organization but but, I, but so so you know I, I suspect I mean that could have something to do with it you know what's the pattern what's the pattern where you got to where you are you know it's it's perfectly possible that someone might be just very good and and be successful but I, I guess the people we should be suspicious of are the ones who are successful despite despite possibly not being obviously talented at anything
0: you know mm, mm, mm. no I' just I was just going to say, I know, but um, plus there are plenty of psychopaths who are not CEOs, right? Most psychopaths aren't CEOs. Yeah, there we Most go. CEOs aren't psychopaths. Let's yeah. just get the record straight here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear it here first. That was the first thing we were talking about. I have forgot the second. That was the first point we wanted to cover. I forgot the second point that we want to cover.
1: Well, I, I, th- I think there's the
0: other. I think there's an issue about.
1: Um, uh, well, we, we were touching on the, this question of you know is is is, is 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 it is there something bad about about the existence of um you know of of people who are insanely wealthy for example Mm. and this i think comes down to one of these this sort of persistent tension that we have in uh in in sort of our modern economies um which which is between sort of sharing what i think is sometimes called sort of hunter-gatherer norms and farmer norms um, so the uh, the idea being that our are sort of it, uh, in underlying terms we we are basically foragers we're hunter gatherers mm. and and our kind of fundamental values are those of hunter gatherers the things that we really value um but the, it, the way the economy works depends on a much more recent set of farmer type norms and so the key differences there are things like um you know for uh for a a farmer, reward is directly related to effort, whereas for a forager or a hunter-gatherer, it's much oh, more good. to do with luck. Oh, okay.
0: you know, it's much
1: more, yeah, I mean, like, you know, whether you happen to be the one who killed the animal today um, is is luck, you know, and um, the, typically sort of your hunter-gatherers don't have haven't monetized things, so there's, mu- there's people sort of share and keep some sort of account of how much people are contributing. And in that sort of society, uh, an inequality indicates that someone isn't is violating norms by not sharing yeah, but, yeah. but inequality is not a bad thing in a farmer society in fact that's the incentive to make you work harder yeah. you know so so and and, and and i think i mean so the argument goes that you know we are basically foragers even though our well wealth and welfare depends on farmer type norms and a farmer type economy um we still, deep down, are basically suspicious of people who don't look like they're sharing,
0: sharing yeah. things, you know.
1: <laughs> so, so, so the idea is that yes, we're suspicious of powerful people in general of people who are have sort of seem to benefit from inequality because we fundamentally think that wealth is a zero sum game and it isn't.
0: Yeah, um, Sarah,
2: I'm taking a slightly different perspective on this. What I think the first thing is a lack of knowledge about successful people in terms of maybe how they got there or what they're doing. And all we're really getting is information that's fed to us from media, um, other people's opinions. And I think that that fuels our suspicion of people, how they got somewhere. Um, the other thing is that, you know, maybe they have something that you want that you've not been able to achieve. Maybe you have your own contempt for them and that drives your suspicion. Um I think there's also, you know, people are envious. That's that could be another key thing that drives someone's suspicion of successful people, in terms of. But, I mean, the,
1: but the question is, what good is envy? Why, why do we have it?
0: Why have we evolved
1: that? You know, um, it, it really only makes sense if it's true that someone else's success is my failure, yeah, uh, in some way. Now, and I think you know, as I said, we certainly with wealth. That isn't the case. It's not the case that me being wealthy necessarily impoverishes you because of you know the concept of wealth creation, which is what everything has been founded on for the last few thousand years, is you know people create stuff that wasn't there before. They don't steal it, they make it. Um, but there is a zero-sum game, which is status. So yep. there is only so much to go around. We can't all be high status, right? The, the concept of a status, which is very fundamental in our own sense of self-worth, and drives a lot of psychological outcomes. Uh, it, it, you, you can't, you know, that is limited. You can only have so many people at the top of the tree and so many people at the bottom of the tree. The fact that my standard of living is way better than that of a medieval king doesn't mean that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able somehow to enjoy the status that a medieval king had. medieval king would have all kinds of benefits from being high status that I don't have. Um, which, are to- which, are, which are over and above the material wealth side of things. So you could say that our, our suspicion of and attempt to sabotage, if you like, sort of uh, high status people is a completely rational attempt to claim back some of their status, you know, but, because if we drag them down, OK, we don't get richer. But we do get we, we can go up in status. You know, if we make them low status, we necessarily get higher status. Um, so I, I think there is something to be said for that, even though so it doesn't make sense from an economic standpoint. Like them making them poorer doesn't necessarily make other people richer, but it does make sense from a status standpoint.
2: I think there's also like an element to adding to that um, is that, you know, people can use those people who are successful can use suspicious people, then the naysayers, the haters, to improve themselves as well. They can take take the comments that they hear, they can take things on board and they can produce better products, better music, better films, just to combat the naysayers, which in turn enhances their status, it enhances their wealth.
0: Um, I think it's quite a common trope, right, to mistrust um, highly successful people, right? Um, But the logical conclusion of that as well is that you should absolutely trust um, really unsuccessful people. (laughs) I'm not sure. I need to run run a ruler over that logic there but carry no, on but,
1: no but you see what i mean on that sliding scale if you know it, it might be the case that actually you actually are sort of moderately successful and that right. people at the extremes have got it wrong in some way
0: yeah because and actually you know it what's the opposite of someone you know who's highly successful you know you might say someone who's homeless for example um and um you know should you trust them completely i mean maybe maybe not i don't know it's um, I, th- I don't think people do, you know. Um, I don't know. Just throwing it out there, you know. So, as you say, maybe there's sort of somewhere in the middle. I think there's know? an issue here about signaling. Um, you know, is is it the case that some, someone being very
1: successful uh, indicates that they have got their priorities wrong in a way that we don't, that we we just don't like or we don't approve of? You know, that it's wrong to care that much about success. That that yeah. we, the, the, that we. Th- that we think in sort of fundamental terms that someone who has devoted their entire life to to making their company successful must necessarily be the kind of person who wouldn't uh who wouldn't prioritize things that we actually think are important you know so we we wouldn't necessarily want to trust them to look after a cat for example because they may be willing to sacrifice the cat uh in some way if it if it made their company more successful you know there's the idea that it indicates it indicates a a failure to prioritize the right things and i and i think that that does sort of suggest that um i mean if that's true that actually, anyone who has lived, who has some kind of extreme outcome associated with their life,
0: mm.
1: we might feel the same about them. We might think, "Well, you what you know?" It, not that it's necessarily true in an individual case, but that it indicates that someone has failed to prioritize appropriately. So, I mean, I, I think you're right, but I, I don't think you can't just you can't go. You, yeah, as I suggested, I, I think it's probably not so much that um, you know trust goes up as as power goes down, but that. Mm somewhere in the middle is sort of where we would trust people because we kind of think they're more likely to make decisions that are appropriate, um, you know, yeah, not yeah. be unduly unduly risky, risk-taking in their behaviour or, you know, yeah. uh, or not put too high a priority on, you know, wealth compared to friendship, for example, and those kinds of things.
0: Yeah. Um, Sarah, anything to add at this point?
2: No, I, think, I just think that's a really interesting point, thinking about it in terms of, like, values who who mm. do you who who do you find suspicious and successful and who don't you like a ceo mm. like bill like bill gates a lot of people would find him suspicious but i'm just trying to think of what would be the equivalent in terms of it like maybe a fam family values based system like who would be the equivalent that no, people wouldn't be suspicious of does anyone have one like someone with loads, I mean, children. Out there, yeah like there'll be people out there that people are like who are successful and people will look up to because they have the same values that they have, and then they'll be the ones that they're suspicious of. Because
0: that's a good point. Who is a who is a globally renowned um, individual who no one is suspicious of, or the majority of people are not suspicious of. I mean, Dalai Lama. That guy gets about to say Dalai Lama what did you say oprah oprah yeah no i'm, I'm oprah not on oprah. no i think it's a good answer though um i don't i don't think it's true i'm a bit, suspicious, not so not. I'm a bit i think you've
2: yes. also got to think about the different masses that there are right so everyone falls in different categories it's you know you guys are a lot older than i am just putting it out there you're going to have different
1: different values <laughs> yeah. than i have it might be worth saying uh, is now is it um, is it cheap talk so is it, is it all cheap talk ask uh, moaning about successful people? Like, is it, I wonder if it's, there's an element of sort of, um, of, uh, of sort of social bonding involved. Um, mm. I mean, you know, you look at the popularity of, well, like the Robin Hood legend obviously is ancient, you know, the, the, the idea of the little guy standing up against the evil corrupt, uh, you know, barons or Kings. Um, mm. and, um, and, uh, but and, uh, and the success of stories like that su- suggests to me maybe well maybe maybe we just you know we like that story and and knocking successful people is is a way of bonding you know uh, is a way of sort of putting ourselves in that narrative and enjoying the fact that actually we're you know we're doing our bit to bring the big guy down um, and uh, you know we don't that we don't really mean it I mean people 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 are still buying shopping at Amazon and using Windows aren't they. Yeah, I mean, you know, for all our supposed suspicion about these people, we're not we're not, you know, doesn't we're still reading about them and talking about them on podcasts. Um, There's a a great uh, tweet from last year, which was um, uh, Clay Routledge said, uh, we're living in an era of woke capitalism in which companies pretend to care about social justice to sell products to people who pretend to hate capitalism. And I think I think there's nice. uh, you know a lot of truth to that. You know, everyone goes on about it, but actually, we're still buying the stuff. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, I've lost count of the number of times I've either sort of read or or, or heard someone apologise for buying stuff from Amazon. Um, it's you know, just saying, oh, I know I shouldn't really do this, but I do do this. It's like smoking or something. Um, so exactly as you say, Nick. Um, look, I, I want to uh, is it uh, I've got a silly question to finish things off. Good. But- but, but before I do, is there anything, anything anyone wants to say, either Nick or Sarah?
2: No, I was just, I'm just wondering if, if people just prefer in general, people, like those who sit on the sidelines, do nothing, don't set goals, yeah. just kind of be average. Like are you less inclined to be not judged or not hated if you do that compared to those who actually get up and do something? Like is it, is it more than just looking at those who are famous and successful?
0: yeah yeah i mean you're right because it's that it's that same it's that same kind of thing when you show me someone who never made a mistake and i'll show you someone who never made anything it's that kind of thing is it's it's, it's by putting yourself out there much like bill gates has albeit um unintentionally maybe is you you just naturally along the way you're going to create an opinion about you right um whereas people sitting on the sideline, and no one cares about them no one cares about Mm -hmm. us guys um, so, um, yeah, I yeah think I, know,
1: I, there, there's, I mean, my, my dad was a journalist and, and one of the, one of the, you know, people always, um, uh, a lot, celebrities often say, you know, well, we, just because we're famous doesn't mean that you've got, you know, it's open season on us and you can, mm dish dirt on us and all that kind of thing and uh my, my dad always had you know the sort of fairly common journalistic view which is well you if you you know if you use your fame to get success then you should you should yeah. take the flip side of that which is that yeah. you know you're going to be uh, of of increased interest and things that you do that are bad are going to be of interest as yeah. well yeah. um now i, I it reminds you just i'm just reminded of a of a of a story it's more of an allegory really just the of the guy who you know drives back to his hometown up north in a big rolls-royce and all his mates all say "Oh, look at you la dar, da coming back and showing off about you know you're fantastic you know how rich you are and and then he says no it's all right i i, I won the lottery and they all say oh that's all right then <laughs> 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 whereas if he'd have earned it himself he'd have been he'd have been judged to be a you know as kind of coming back and rubbing their noses in it but the fact that he he was you know just won it on the lottery means yeah. that okay and, I, you know, obviously that's not a true story, but I think as, a, as an allegory, it feels right. It feels actually quite plausible. And, and you can understand, I mean, I can understand that feeling that people yeah. would have, you know. Uh, of, oh, that's okay. You were just lucky. Well, that's fine. But if you actually worked for it, you know, then
0: uh, I'm not sure what I feel about that. You know? Yeah, yeah. Psychopathic tendencies. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, to, to finish things off, I've just got a silly question I want to ask. And we started, started talking about this early on, especially in this this thing of status versus, I don't know, fame or wealth or, or, or whatever um i've got i've got a choice for you right you could either be um living in the 21st century as we are um and be you know upper middle class let's say middle to upper middle class have a sort of reasonably good income nice life all that side of things okay um probably look pretty much like we are um or you can be a medieval um absolute monarch Um, probably in Europe Um, and um, with all the upsides in terms of status, but also the downsides in terms of things like, well, you might be overthrown, but more more prosaically than that, is things like um, of,
1: of an inf- of a finger infection. Exactly,
0: <laughs> you might die at thirty. If you live to thirty five, consider yourself yeah. lucky. Um, but with obvious upsides as well. Um, I, I, I'd like to start off with. Well, who would like to go first? Um, you know, I, I, I think I, I, I can already I can already predict Nick's answer. By the way, me too, um, absolutely. But, but, but um, Sarah, yeah, go for it.
2: Um, I am going to go with living now. Absolutely. I want all the comforts that I have now. Um, I want to have great medical care. I want to have a fridge and more importantly, more than anything else, and the reason why I won't go camping is because I've got a working toilet. That's pretty okay. much it. I, I like I'm it, not now. I'm, I'm not to it now. I'm taking
1: it. Um yeah. <laughs> no, I get it.
0: Um, yeah, no, good answer, fair enough. Um, Nick?
1: Well, you know, it won't surprise you to hear that I have actually thought about this quite a lot. I mean, it's something. <laughs> if you study, if you course, study economics, it's it's one of the fundamental questions you have to tackle in economics. Oh, really? You know? Okay. Well, the the idea of you know, u- utility and um, you know, being able to compare utility across different people and in, through, across different times, and whether or not that's possible, um, whether or not our perceived utility is the mm. same as our actual utility, which I think is really uh, a very you know significant question that we don't probably spend enough time thinking about but you know if if i don't go around constantly thinking wow how great my life is because um i, I have antibiotics but mm. does does that necessarily mean that i you know it, it isn't actually adding to my utility or or is it but i j- in some way i'm not aware of it you know am i mm. can you have utility that you're not aware of you know mm-hmm. so my instinct is to want is immediately to go for the medieval king I, I want to be a medieval king. Mm. But I actually think from a rational point of view, I probably, in a meaningful sense, don't. I mean, I, I do. I do. I would want to be a medieval king. Um, mm. but, but I think actually, I think I'd be worse off um, if I was, for all the sorts of reasons that Sarah was talking
0: about, as fun as it would be. You, the first thing, though, and it, I think it's what you were talking about, is that you might be better off now, but you might be happier back then you know you're having more fun You don't know um, what
2: you're missing right so you don't know about flushing toilets and better health care systems
1: yeah this is the problem about the the kind of hedonic treadmill that we are mm. it's very very hard to go back down in wealth. yeah it's very hard to give stuff up
0: but um, but uh but here's the other thing i think there's i mean my answer is <clears throat> it just occurred to me as we were talking about it is actually there's a, there's another way to look at this why why am i talking about you know being middle class now because a thousand years from now they'll be looking back at us going oh my god that was pretty awful you know um how did they live without xyz with things we can't even imagine now um so on that basis I'm going to say well my life is actually not that great now as i and i think this is what you were talking about with perceived utility etc um and so i'm going to go no sod it i'm going to be that king um and <laughs> that's you're going to bank being a king that means yeah you can rely ah. on yeah yeah i just yeah. want to hopefully i mean in history will tell you know hopefully i'll just end up being one of the good you know that things worked out okay for me kind of kings and i i, mean, I, I reigned I for a long time a
1: thousand years ago people weren't writing about how miserable they were you know, and and uh, how they hope that in the future, everyone will be happy. Um, It just, uh, you you know, people will probably have as happy then as they are now um, and possibly even more so. So so I think, yeah, I think, um, you know, probably being a medieval king would be probably a bit like being Jeff Bezos today. Um, You know, it would be. and, And despite the fact that there weren't toilets or antibiotics, you know on a day-to-day basis you'd probably be as happy as Jeff Bezos
0: maybe happier because you wouldn't have all that social media nonsense about you and if there is any nonsense about you well you just you just send in you know send in the troops and you know yeah a diplomatic the- yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Deep nonsense fight with a bit of good old fashioned hanging drawing and quartering Exactly. great um, stuff okay <laughs> all right on that note um we'll stop there uh thank you as always for listening to the cognitive engineering podcast i'm fraser mcgrew we've been here with sarah Nonnu and nick Hare of aleph insights and until next time goodbye <laughs>